This is a production from the Takedown Sports. What's up, guys? T-Bron31 here from the Takedown Sports, along with J-Bot the Great. This is another episode of The Last Word. We got a bunch of topics to hit today, so what's coming up? Today, we'll be covering the latest news in the college athlete pay saga. We'll wrap up the Western Conference Finals and recap the Eastern Conference Finals, looking ahead to the rest of the series. All right, sounds good. And we'll get straight into the NCAA news. So on Wednesday, the NCAA officially released a statement saying that they will allow athletes to make money off of their name, image, and likeness going forward, starting on Thursday today. And we saw pretty quickly that some athletes already had endorsements and stuff lined up. But to go over what the statement said, I'll just give a few bullet points here. Individuals can engage in NIL activities that are consistent with the law of the state where the school is located. Colleges and universities may be a resource for state law questions. Athletes who attend a school in a state without NI law can engage in this type of activity without violating NCAA rules related to this. Individuals can use a professional services provider for NIL activities. And student athletes should report NIL activities consistent with state law or school and conference requirements to their school. So overall, it's pretty simple. NCAA is going to let these athletes make money off of their name, image, and likeness. And this has been a long time coming. We just had the Supreme Court ruling last week, which we opened the show with. So this is a absolutely huge deal for college sports going forward. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly what we talked about last week. Uh, as we, you know, kind of praised the Supreme Court for slowly cracking open the NCAA, we both said, we hope it goes further that they can start actually making money off of themselves. And uh, I didn't expect it to come in a week, but here we are. Uh, this is a huge development. This, as you said, has been a long time coming. And these athletes should be, or I know that they're, you know, ecstatic. Uh, it's just, it's something that needed to happen. Uh, these athletes need to be able to make money off of their name and stuff since these colleges are getting so much from them and they weren't getting anything back. So it's just, it's fair. Uh, and the NCAA course has its own small restrictions with it but they aren't really that bad actually and they kind of keep things you know smooth and running in the law so this is this is big this is great uh now we've got other things popping up such as like reggie bush uh wanting his heisman trophy now which i support and a few other things like that what are your thoughts on these kind of retroactive redemption things that people want from the ncaa yeah so obviously players that play college sports are obviously not going to be getting any kind of back pay or anything like that. But in the case of Reggie Bush, I definitely think he should get his Heisman back. And, you know, they should not try to rewrite history and pretend that just never happened. Um, I understand Reggie did break the rules at the time. Those were the rules. He broke them. Um, and that's why he took his Heisman away. But the rules are kind of stupid. To be completely honest, if you just be straight up. And they're acting as if... He killed somebody or something. 
I understand he broke the rule, but he didn't commit a literal crime here. So uh, in my opinion, he should definitely get his Heisman Trophy back because we all saw him play. We, we, or if you didn't see him play, you can go look it up. You can look up his stats. The man won the Heisman fair and square. He didn't take any PEDs. He didn't take any other kind of drugs or anything like that. And he didn't break the law. He, he broke NCAA rules at the time. But now with this happening, you can kind of go back and say, hey, look, we understand you broke the rules at the time, but hey, we've changed the rules now. We should be able to recognize you for all you did. Um, so he should definitely get his Heisman back. Yeah, uh, I think like some people might argue, well, you know, he broke the rules back then. That was back then. He shouldn't get it. But I think, like you said, the rule is stupid. I mean, there's no other way around it. Those rules are stupid. The NCAA is obviously kind of acknowledging now that, yeah, that's kind of stupid. So I, I definitely think that he should go back and they should say, you did a lot for the for the game. You clearly earned your Heisman, you know, like you said, no PEDs, nothing like that. It was just hard work and determination on the field. And yeah, uh, that rule has been overturned. They should be able to see that that rule was dumb and they should give him what he, he deserves. Yeah, and one thing I want to say about this is this is a temporary policy, which the NCAA stated themselves. Um, until they figure out some kind of new rules for the NCAA or there's some kind of national legislation for every single state, no matter where you are, uh, this is what we're going to be doing. But I truthfully don't see them going back on their word at this point. Like, this is probably going to be the standard going forward. I think it's a good standard. and. A part of their statement um, from the NCAA points out that it's still not pay for play, of course. They're not getting paid just to go to school and play football or basketball or whatever else. They're getting paid for their likeness, which makes complete sense. If you're a person and your name is being put in something and, they're, and this company or whatever is making money off of it, then you should get some kind of money back for that. Well, obviously, the NCAA football games, that was... Uh, Huge reason why those games, you know, went down the drain, obviously. Uh, and with that coming back, you know, we have to see how that'll work out um, with the athletes being paid. You know, are their names going to be in the game exactly? Are they still going to do what they did before where they had players and numbers that are exactly just like the real life players, but without names? But it just seems like a common sense rule here. You know, if your likeness is being used, to make money, then you should receive some reimbursement for that. And the fact that it's still not, you know, exactly pay for play, which for a lot of people will preserve the purity of the sport, um, quote unquote there. So, you know, I, I totally agree with this and I think it's good. I don't think this is going to ruin football. I see some people saying that. And if it does, I reckon it does for you, but I can't really I can't understand why it would ruin football for you or any other college sport. Again, they're not getting paid just to show up. Now, teams might be paying guys during recruiting on the table. You know, that's very likely, of course, but it's not something we can really prove. So, you know, with this current model, I think it works perfectly and we'll have to see how it goes going forward. Yeah, I think the NCAA has has common sense enough to see like what's happened with with the reaction to this new rule and know like, all right, we shouldn't go back on this. So I do think this will be the standard going forward and kind of a little bit. We touched on it last week, but as we said, this kind of it not being pay for play, but pay for likeness 
it encourages players because you, you want to do something to get people to start using your likeness and start generating revenue because now you're going to be gaining some of that revenue. And as far as NCAA games go, that is interesting because, <laughs> of course, uh, if they start putting all the players' names on and everything, then you've got a lot of people to pay and they might not want to do all that. But we'll see where, where that goes. Um, I think they, they definitely open a pretty good door with that. It just depends on what route they decide to take. But overall, this actual rule is is great and, and i mean it, it applies to football basketball uh any ncaa sport men or women they're all able to do it now and so it's pretty much equality all around the board just as far as being able to get money based on your image your, your name your likeness and yeah i don't see anything wrong with this and i don't see how you can say that it that it ruins the sport like taryn said if it ruins it for you then it ruined it for you because i don't know what causes it so i don't know how to remedy that but I can't see being uh, disturbed because of an athlete's getting paid for their name. But, you know, each their own, I guess. I support this rule. I think it's great. And I, I hope to, to see these kind of, you know, positive developments with the NCAA moving forward. Yeah, something you touched on earlier, talking about athletes would be more encouraged to try to get these, you know, jersey sales up, you know, try to get, um, you know, memorabilia sales up and all that. I think fans will probably be more encouraged to go out and buy stuff now, not only knowing that the money goes towards the school, but then the money will also go towards the athlete. Now, some people might, again, might be pissed off at that. And if that's you, then I mean, I can't really say anything to change your mind, probably. So it is what it is there. But, you know, if I'm going to go buy an athlete's jersey, now that I know that he's going to make a little bit of money from that, that might be, you know, something that I'm proud of. It's like, hey, I'm supporting this guy and he, he's one of my favorite athletes in college and I'm buying his jersey. I help out the school that I love, obviously, and I'm helping out a player that I love. So it's a win-win there. Um, so if you do have a problem with it, you know, you're entitled to your opinion, of course, but I just don't agree with that opinion. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I didn't even think about that, but like it, it does encourage fans to you know, now I get to help the school and the athlete. It's a it's a great payoff. Um, if you really love the athlete that much to buy his jersey or, or his or her jersey, you're now knowing that by doing that, you're also helping them. And it's a great trade-off. And yeah, there's going to be some people that are like, well, I'm not going to buy a jersey now because it's going to give the athlete money. And uh, that's just kind of dumb. But, you know, people do what they want to do, I suppose. And uh, I, I personally think that it's a great, great thing to be able to support the athlete and the school. That you're, you know, you're obviously such a passionate fan for. So, well, I guess maybe not so passionate if you just refuse to buy things if it's giving the athlete money, but you get the point. Yeah. Now, moving on to some players that have already made deals. We see Trey Knox, who is a wide receiver from the Arkansas Razorbacks. He's teaming up with PetSmart. So uh, he posted a little picture uh, with PetSmart on their Twitter, him with his dog and everything. Uh, nice picture there. Also have Bo Nix teaming up with, who is this? Milo's Tea. Yeah. <laughs> Milo's Sweet Tea. Uh, interesting there. I'm not, I don't have anything against Bo Nix, but, you know, interesting choice there. Uh, I figured the trade knocks wouldn't made sense. You know, he had, you know, his dog is a, you know, special part of his life. But uh, Bo Nix with the T thing, a little random there. But, uh, you know, good for Bo Nix either way. And we have more athletes that are you know, doing things as well. Spentler Rattler, he is doing another 
thing to help our people. Uh, also have some volleyball players, some other football players as well. So they move pretty fast. I don't really blame them. You know, it's not like they're going out of their way to be like, you know, I'm going to try to make thousands of dollars doing this. A lot of this stuff is, you know, helping out their community with these endorsements, uh, local businesses. So that's another avenue that we hadn't really talked about. A lot of these endorsements are probably going to be local companies that players will be endorsed by. And those companies will obviously get more revenue more likely than not. So again, this is a win all across the board for me. Yeah. As you mentioned, uh, not all this money is like just going straight to them. They're helping out their communities. Uh, you said volleyball players, there's a volleyball player from Nebraska named Lexi Sun. She's uh, got a partnership with a volleyball apparel company. And a lot of the money will be going to a, a nonprofit sports psychology organization. So things like this, they're, they're using their likeness to be able to help their community. And this is something they're able to do before because you couldn't make money off your own likeness. So, uh, Spencer Rattler is also donating some of his money to, to under, under deserved communities and things like that. So it's just, it's very helpful for them to be able to make their own money and give back to the community that is now allowing them to make their money. Yeah. So like you said, we'll see how this works out going forward. Uh, it did immediately go into effect Thursday, um, being today that we're recording. Um, but we'll really start to see what happens once football season comes. And obviously football players are probably the most famous college athletes. So, you know, once football season starts, I think we'll see a lot more endorsements. And I think, we'll, you know, once fans come back in stadiums, I think it's going to be a pretty good season. And going forward, NCAA is going to be a whole lot better. I agree. I think we're we're in the pointing in the direction to have a, an amazing season ahead, especially now that the fans can contribute as much as uh, to the players and stuff. So this is going to be be great going forward, and and I can't wait to see how it pans out. So the Suns are moving on to the NBA Finals after beating the Los Angeles Clippers four games to two in six games in the Western Conference Finals. So we're gonna go game by game here, starting from last Thursday. So on Thursday, we had game three. The Clippers won 106 to 92. Paul George and Reggie Jackson led the way with 27 points and 23 points, respectively. Paul George also had 15 rebounds and eight assists in the win in LA. Yeah, uh, I think another big part of this big LA win uh, is, was for one, uh, Booker had 15, Paul had 15, Aiden had 18. So they were kind of held down for what you would usually see them getting. And not only that, but Zubac uh, had 15 points and 16 rebounds. So he was definitely cleaning up the glass and putting in a little bit of effort on the on the offensive end too. And uh, I mean, we saw the Clippers battle out of some some holes throughout this entire playoff run. So at this point, you know, they're down 2-0, they come back, they make it down 2-1. It looks like the Clippers are back up to what they've been doing. and. You know, fire set under them at the at a perfect time, I guess, for for what it looked like for them. Um, and yeah, that's that's about all I could add to it. The Clippers came out and played a strong game defensively and offensively, and it looked like they were ready to 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 come back in business. We knew going into this game that the Clippers absolutely had to win because if they were going down three zero, there's pretty much no chance that they were going to win the next four games and win the series, um, especially if Kawhi Leonard. Was it coming back, which he did not? Um, so they they have they had to absolutely win this game, and they did. 
They played great defense, like you said. Uh, it was a total team effort across the board. Um, they did keep the Suns down. Obviously, Devin Booker scoring only 15 points, not something you're going to see every day. Uh, Chris Paul obviously isn't a huge scorer, but we've seen him score, you know, 30 plus, 40 plus in these playoffs so far. And he only scores 15 there. Uh, and DeAndre Ayton putting in 18 points leading the team. But you expect Devin Booker to lead the way there. So the Clippers got a good win to get a little bit closer, except they do lose game for 84 to 80 behind Devin Booker's 25 points. Chris Paul's 18 points and DeAndre Ayton putting in 19 points and 22 rebounds in the win. Yeah, this game, this one was one that I thought the Clippers should have had. Now they they started kind of bad. Um, they, they looked terrible at halftime, but they came back out. And this fourth quarter, uh, the Suns scored 15 in the fourth and the Clippers scored 14. It was very low scoring. Um, I, I don't remember who it was, but some basketball player tweeted that there was a lid on the uh, the net. Um, Paul George came out with 23, Reggie with 20. Uh, I mean, the Clippers put in an effort and, and what was a pretty low-scoring game for the current NBA, 84 to 80. But it's just that the the Suns were able to kind of battle out this really gritty win and, and keep it in there. Uh, despite some unfortunate foul outs at the end, they were still able to stay in it and, and just battle out and take a 3-1 lead. And now at this point, you know, coming back from 2-0 seemed like very possible for the Clippers. 3-1 shouldn't be that far out of it, but this Suns team is hungry. And I thought right here, this is probably it for the Clippers, especially when they had every right to win this game. After being so far down at halftime and then coming back and having a 30-19 to 19 third quarter, there was no reason for them to fumble it and lose in the fourth quarter. And uh, that's what they did. And that, that I think that led to their, their eventual demise. I'm no Clippers fan by any means, but I will say the Clippers definitely could have had, you know, at least... A 3-1 lead at this point. They possibly could have won the whole series if a few things had just gone their way. Obviously, free throws uh, from Paul George, your star at this point, because Kawhi's gone. Um, you know, just defensive lapses in other parts. And the Clippers could have easily won this game, like you said. Now you're down 3-1. You absolutely have to win game five because it's an elimination game. And they did just that, winning 116 102 Paul George, 41 points, 13 rebounds, and six assists. And Marcus Morris said this last week, if you get a good game from Marcus, then you're probably going to win. He put in 22 points. Reggie Jackson with 23 points. And Boogie Cousins off the bench with 15 points in just 11 minutes. So dominating win for the Clippers as they get back into the series here. Yeah, uh, like we said before, when Marcus comes out and drops 20, you've pretty much got it. Uh, and then to have Reggie and Marcus both have about 22, 23, and then Paul George put in a 41-point game on top of that with 13 rebounds, you should have a win. If they would have lost that game, obviously they'd have went home anyway because, I mean, that's the, they were down 3-1. But it, it's, it's, that's, the, that's the game you have to win for sure, especially with those kind of stats. Uh, I mean, the Suns definitely put in a good effort, um, but the Clippers wanted it more. They came out, they fought for it. And, I mean, it was almost a wire-to-wire win. I think the Suns took a lead once or twice, uh, but then the Clippers pulled away again and, and sealed it off to go up to go keep it to 2-3. I was going to say go up 2-3. That's not going up, really. <laughs> but they tried. They, they brought it to 2-3, and it looked like maybe they can, they can actually do this thing. And uh, that did not happen. 
Yep, because unfortunately for them, they got destroyed in game six, 132-103. Chris Paul put in 41 points, eight assists, and four rebounds. Devin Booker with 22-7-4, and DeAndre Aiden with 16 points and 17 rebounds. Uh, for the Clippers, Marcus Morris actually led with 26 points, uh, and the Morris showing up formula did not work this time because, you know, if he could have scored 46 points, it wouldn't have mattered. They would have lost regardless there. Uh, they needed a lot more from Paul George only scoring 21 points in this losing effort. Yeah, and I, I love Reggie Jackson. I think he's amazing in these playoffs. But Paul George having 21, he needs more to be the star. But they also have been heavily dependent on getting at least 20 from Reggie for like the whole series. And he only got 13 that night. And I mean, this game was pretty close, you know, for a while. And then all of a sudden, boom, the, the Suns are up by like 24. And they end up winning by 27. And I mean, I don't know what happened to the Clippers in the second half. But I, I guess they just fell apart. And uh, eventually, when you're down that much and, and you're already down in the series 3-2, it probably starts to get in your mind like, oh, dang, we could go home. And uh, yeah, they 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 put in what's kind of a good offensive effort, I guess. I mean, one or three points is not bad, but they just they, Chris Paul got 41. And like Terrence said, Chris Paul is not exactly uh, the scoring guy all the time. And so for him to get 41, that's that's not good. Jay Crowder getting 19. That is not a scoring man either. And 19 for him is, is a, a big output. And you don't want that in an elimination game, at least when you're the one that could be eliminated. So. Clippers could have had this series. Uh, there were some games where, and I'm not, I don't like to be this way, but there were some games where the refs sure got in their way, but they got in the Suns' way a few times as well. And I think overall, the Clippers just kind of fumbled a series that they should have had with some bad free throws and not smart game plans at, at certain points. You brought up the refs, and I will agree that the refs kind of screwed both teams. But overall, the, the refing in this series was atrocious say the least i mean you got chris paul who is a you know top point guard all the time but he is a master flopper the man flops like crazy i mean he is probably a top three flopper in the league and it ain't even close um the the uh what's it called the flagrant foul that they called on pat bev you know for like killing chris paul pretty much where chris paul lands on his butt there like come on Chris was I, I, like he landed hard, obviously, but he wouldn't have had to land hard if he hadn't tried to sell it in the first place. Um, that was just one of many ridiculous calls in the series. You know, you have Boogie in the last game, you know, barely hitting Chris Paul and Chris Paul just dies there. And you see him <laughs> smiling, looking at the camera and everything. You know, he's loving it. But, you know, you got to give him credit, I guess. You know, he, he's been in this league a very long time and he's adapted to every single year in the league, you know, going back from 2005 all the way to 2021. He knows how to play the game, and that's why he possibly could win his first championship. But besides that, I mean, there are many different instances in this series where the rest were just absolutely atrocious, uh, disgusting to say the least, and it, it's, it's getting kind of annoying. I know this is something that's been going on for a good while now, but... The rest have been especially bad this playoffs, where it seems like every game there's at least a few calls that are just absolute nonsense, especially with technical and flagrant fouls. Yeah, this the Sun series. Uh, Chris Paul could have got an Oscar for 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 the whole series. Uh, I love Chris Paul. He's obviously one of the top point guards all the time. 
first time making the finals in 16 years. That's that's great for him. But the the one on Pat Bev you mentioned, he Pat Bev literally had no choice but to like fall there because he got smashed between two people, both of them Suns players, and one of them was Chris, who was just trying to charge through. And I mean, sure he sold it, and and Pat Bev probably didn't help his chances by getting up and mocking him, but but uh, I mean he was right. Chris Paul flopped, and then the one on Boogie. It looked like Boogie's elbow maybe grazed like the back of his the, the little hairs on Chris Paul's neck, and Chris flew. It was like he got hit by Thor's hammer, <laughs> and it's just those kind of calls. I mean, like you said, Chris Paul knows knows the game. He knows what he can get and what he can't get, and he made he made use of that. Um, but it, just in general, even without flopping, there's just some some bad calls, uh, and you hate when when referees get in the way of a game, especially the the Suns team and this Clippers team. Both of these are some tough, gritty teams that were could have had some pretty good hard fought battles and it's haste for these battles to have the momentum snatched out of them when the refs get in the way with, with terrible calls and terrible ejections but overall it was a good series these two teams fought hard the clippers had a lot of what ifs you know what if Kawhi was back what if paul george could shoot shoot free throws better um and that one game would be what if boogie knew the rules and didn't throw the ball directly into the backboard so a lot of what ifs that that just didn't go their way yeah, I mean, that's just kind of how the entire playoffs have been. I mean, you could say what if for pretty much almost every single series. I mean, from beginning, like you said, uh, you know, AD, LeBron, they were banged up. Next round, Jamal Ray banged up. And next round, Kawhi missed the entire series. So, you know, the Suns still had to play well. You know, I, I will say that they had an easier path than if those guys were in, obviously, being that they're superstars. But the Suns still had to come out and play well. Chris Paul did miss time. I mean, he missed time with some bogus COVID stuff. Um, and then he missed time earlier with the shoulder in the first round, which the Lakers could have capitalized on. Um, but it is what it is. The Suns definitely do deserve to go to the finals. They're still a great team. They've had to go through three great teams themselves. So Chris Paul definitely deserves it. Shout out to Monty Williams as well. Um, obviously, they were a coach and player duo way back in the day with the Hornets, and now they make their first finals together. So overall, good story. And I do want to give credit to Paul George. He definitely got a lot of the heat off of him for his performance in the last you know, few weeks. Obviously, they don't win the series, but when one team has two superstars and the other team just has you, Paul George, you're probably going to lose. But I do think people will give Paul a lot more respect than they had been giving him based off of the whole pandemic peace stuff from last year. I, uh, before we move on, I definitely want to add, add to, to, for one, I do want to give the Suns their credit. Uh, of course, they did capitalize on some injured teams, but they started to come out and play. And those the teams that they played, the injured ones, they proved that. Uh, they played the Lakers, who might have you know missed a little bit of AD, but used to have LeBron out there for most of the time. Uh, they go to the Denver Nuggets, and they're missing Jamal Murray, but the MVP is on the court. And then they, they knock them out in four games. They come to the Clippers, who are missing Kawhi Leonard, undoubtedly the best Clipper right now. And uh, Paul George, Reggie, and sometimes Marcus, sometimes Zubach, they proved that even without Kawhi, you know, they're still a good team. They came out and fought. They took it to six. They could have very well taken it to seven. Uh, now, would they have won? Who knows? But just because they played injured teams doesn't mean the Suns didn't have to put effort in. These teams could have easily come out and got the best of them, regardless of missing a few players. And the Suns proved that, you know, they were better than than, than that. They, they didn't underestimate people. They came out. 
held, held on to the gas and then got through. And uh, yeah, with Paul George, he deserves a lot more respect. I mean, I'm not going to be referring to him as Pandemic P. His free throw shooting might not have been the best in the series, but he averaged like 30 almost, I think. And uh, he uh, most minutes played, most points so far in the playoffs. And uh, yeah, you can't, he, he gained a lot of respect for me, uh, regardless of the outcome of his team. He really put his heart uh, on the on the court for everybody. Yeah, I mean, Paul George, you know, like you said, put his heart out there. I mean, he did pretty much all he could. Obviously, could have made some free throws, but the man played so many minutes. He got thrusted into the position of having to be that number one guy for the team. And in this last game, the Clippers did put up 103, but it's not like the Clippers are an offensive team in general. I mean, they can put up some incredible offensive bursts, but they don't really have a whole lot of offensive guys. It's really just Paul George and Reggie Jackson when he's getting hot. And if Marcus Morris decides to, you know, get, you know, five, six threes or something like that, then maybe. But generally, they're that defensive hard-nosed team. So that was probably their downfall here. They just couldn't keep up with the Suns. And the Suns did what they had to do. Regardless of injuries, you still have to come out and win these games because they could easily have just underestimated all these teams and they could have gotten beat by LeBron. They could have gotten beat by the MVP and they could have messed around and let Paul George win this series on his own. So the Suns did what they had to do well-deserved and they will move on to the finals. For our third and final segment today, we got the Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference finals. So Pretty much just like the last segment, we'll be going game by game. So first up, we got game two, which is on Friday between the Bucks and the Hawks. 125 to 91. The Bucks get the win. They're absolutely killing the Hawks there. And the Bucks were led by Giannis with 25 points, nine rebounds, and six assists. Brooke Lopez with 16 points. Drew Holiday with 22. And Chris Middleton with 15, 7, and 8. And you also had a lot of bench guys contribute in the single digits as well. So overall, great team effort from the Bucks in the blowout. Yeah, I mean, they came, they started out the series down 1-0. They got knocked out at home for, for you know, to go down down one in, in the series. And they came out of this game, it was pretty close in the first quarter, 38 20, or 34-28. Uh, I mean, that doesn't seem as close, but that is kind of close for these two teams. Then in the second quarter, they have a 43-17 to quarter. They followed up with a 26 to 18 third quarter, and then both teams just played reserves for the whole fourth quarter. And uh, it, it was it was a good statement win for the Bucks to come back and, and take that. Uh, they held Trey Young to, to 15 points, and he had eight turnovers in the first half, most of them in the second quarter. Uh, and it was it was a good defensive effort that, that made it look like a very impressive offensive win, mainly just because they were able to still contribute as they were stripping the ball away. So good way to come out and even up the series. Yeah, you mentioned their defensive effort, and that's what the Bucks are supposed to be known for. Obviously, they have the two-time MVP and a sharpshooter in Chris Middleton when he wants to be, but they are a defensive-oriented team. And I said this last episode, you got to come out and put somebody on Trey Young and stop that man. And the fact that he only put up 15 points, which led the team there, you're going to get the win when Chris when Trey Young scores under 20. And you have Chris Middleton... Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, and Giannis all in the double digits there. So 
like I said, overall great team effort defensively and offensively, putting up 125 points. And they even up the series there, looking to have momentum going into game three, which they would win 113 to 102. Once again, they're led by Chris Middleton and Giannis. Chris went absolutely full in this game in the fourth quarter. 38 points overall, 11 rebounds and seven assists. Giannis with 33 points and 11 rebounds. And Drew Holiday put in 12 assists as well. Yes, I mean, of course, you, you, we have this this team where it's like a lot. You've heard people say it on, on the media. Like, I think I think Chuck has said this, where the Bucks don't have to have one guy come out and do great. Uh, you can have kind of an evenly split. Uh, and that wasn't working. <laughs> the, Giannis was the main one contributing until about the fourth quarter when Chris caught fire, scored 20 in that quarter, outscored the Hawks single-handedly. Uh, as, and, the, and they took a gritty win. Now, uh, Trey Young, I believe he did get hurt in this game. Yes, this is the game. Uh, and that, that probably did did affect him. He did play, but he was a lot slower. He had a bone bruise. Uh, he stepped on a ref's foot and then pulled his foot in awkwardly after doing that. Uh, I hate to see it. But the Bucks came out and they fought a gritty gritty game. It looked like they were going to go down, but they managed to go into the A and take take their first game there. Yeah, and not to diminish Trey Young here or anything, but I think regardless of whether he had gotten injured and you know, gone out or stayed in, if you don't stop Chris Middleton from scoring double digits in a quarter, <laughs> I mean, heck, like, what are you going to do there? I mean, 38 points there. He outscores Giannis. And when Giannis puts up 33 and still gets outscored by one of his teammates, then you're going to lose 100%. Now, you let Trey Young score 35. So, obviously, the defensive effort, as far as Trey Young goes, <laughs> wasn't there for the Bucks in this game. But they had two guys score almost 40 points. You had a lot of assists from Drew Holiday. Brooke Lopez with 10 points. Bobby Portis with 15 points. He needs more minutes. And they played overall exceptionally well in this game. And they're going up 2-1, to one, moving into game four, where the Bucks lose 110-288. The Hawks were led by Lou Williams and Bogdanovich with 21 points and 20 points, respectively. Kevin Herter and Clint Capella also put in 15 points. Cam Reddish with 12 points and Gallinari with 10 points as well. But the big story in this game, Giannis getting injured. Yeah, uh, I'll get on, on Giannis getting injured in a minute. I got to say, overall, this is one of the like more pitiful games I've watched the Bucks play. Uh <laughs> They would take wide open shots and just brick them and players that should not be bricking them. For example, Bryn Forbes in the corner wide open. He even did like the little sigh of relief to acknowledge that he's wide open brick. That guy should not be doing that. He was brought two hit threes. A uh, lot of losing the ball. It, it looked like God would just blow the ball out of someone's hand. It wouldn't even be a steal. They just lose it in the middle of dribbling. And, and then it becomes a steal because someone else grabs it. And uh, I mean, you can't come out and do that, especially when you've got the 2-1, 2-1 lead. You can come out and you can be commanding. But even before uh, Giannis was out, they were down like 12. And uh, I mean, this is not a great effort all around. Uh, and then, yes, Giannis lands awkwardly on trying to contest a dunk from Capella and hyperextended his his left knee, I think it was. And uh, he it has come back that it's not anything serious, but he will not be playing in game five. So this is a big thing for the Bucks, of course, now that the Hawks are without Trey Young. So it's kind of just a battle of of the little guys, if you want to call them that. And uh and this game, that battle of the little guys went to Lou Williams and Bogdan Bogdanovich as they got 
got rid of Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday with ease. Yeah, so obviously the Hawks not having Trey Young, your superstar best player. You got to have other guys stepped up, and the whole team stepped up here. I mean, you had six guys in the double digits, and obviously Giannis did go down, but as you said, they were losing beforehand. Now Chris Middleton cooled down a whole lot in this game, only scored 16 points. Drew Holiday put up 19 and 9, but it just really wasn't enough because you didn't have many anyone else really contributing there. Uh, you know, PJ Tucker was the next leading scorer besides Giannis with eight points. And Brooke Lopez was seven, Bobby Portis was seven. But once you lose Giannis and you're already losing, you're pretty much going down. And they did so. Now for game five, it's currently going on right now. And the Bucks are in the lead 32 to 12 in the first quarter with a few minutes left. Obviously, Giannis is not playing. Trey Young is also not playing. So, you know, we have to keep an eye on this situation here because if Trey Young comes back in game six, uh, assuming that the Hawks lose this game here uh, as of now, and then maybe they can go on a run win the last two games. Or if Giannis is able to come back in the next game, they close out. We'll just kind of have to see. But what do you think is going to happen based on either of those scenarios? I think if Trey Young comes back, uh, that the 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 Bucks are in trouble, uh, especially if Trey Young comes back and Giannis doesn't, because that gives them their lead gun, and you know the Bucks don't have theirs. And so, of course, you got people that can still pressure Trey Young and try to hold him down, but it's just a lot to handle, especially when you don't have Giannis on the court to help you out. And if Giannis comes back uh, and is healthy, um, it could go well. It could go like Game Four, <laughs> and they just start off and, and don't do anything. But it just it kind of just depends on, I guess, the everyone's mindsets playing. I believe that the Bucks can beat the Hawks with Trey Young in with how they are. But Chris Middleton has to be Chris, like the good version of him. <laughs> Drew Holiday has to actually play like he wants to win. Uh, Brooke Lopez can't just run around like a a, a tree that doesn't know where he's at. Uh, so it, it really depends on all the role players. The uh, same thing for the Hawks. Uh, if if Giannis was to come back, they could probably still take it. I mean, they're a hungry team. They just have to come out. Uh, Bogdanovich has to actually be able to shoot. He started the series not that great, uh, but he has definitely heated up since then. Um, Lou William has to keep up his his effort. Clint Capella on the on the rebounding and everything. So either way, what, if one of these star players doesn't come back, that team still has a chance. Their role players just have to really want to win, uh, and it, it'll it'll be very difficult. Um, and I, I also think it's interesting to note that the series kind of mirrored itself. Um, we. Lost to Atlanta game one, or the Bucks did, and then they smacked them in game two in their own house. Then we beat them in their own house, barely, and then they smacked us in their house. Uh, so <laughs> we keep kind of trading, and uh, if that keeps up the way it does, then that, that'll be interesting. And it looks like there's about to be another smacking unless the Hawks make a big run here, So, which is possible. Yeah, I mean, if the Bucks win this game, and even if Giannis doesn't come back next game, if Trey Young doesn't come back for game six, then that puts immense pressure on the Hawks because now they have to win game six to stay alive without Trey Young. And hopefully Trey Young will come back for game seven. But then if Giannis comes back, then, you know, they have to play the game of their lives to make it to the finals. <laughs> um, again, injuries have kind of shaped how things have gone in the playoffs, but I guess that's just how it is. You can't, you can't really prevent these things from happening. Um, because a lot of them are just freak things like Trey just stepped back 
onto the ref pretty much. It's not like the ref really moved or anything. And he just stepped back a little too far. And initially, I didn't think it was going to be much. I didn't think he was going to miss these past two games. But, you know, you can't really speculate with these injuries because we've seen uh, multiple times that injuries are more or less than what we thought. I initially thought Kawhi was going to come back, and he obviously didn't. Um, I didn't expect James Harden to come back in the semifinals, and he did, but he was partially a shell of himself. So you can't really speculate with these injuries. Um, and whether or not one of the two stars comes back for either one of these teams may shape how things turn out. Yeah, I mean, like you said, injuries have definitely been kind of the, the molding of these playoffs, sadly, with all these star players going down and, and everything even kind of depending on Okay, well, how's this guy going to bounce back from this, and and will this team be able to do this when he comes back? And a lot of a lot of bad hypotheticals with injuries, and you know you hate to see the injuries go like that. And um, yeah, but I I think the series is the same way. They're kind of equal right now. Now I think the Bucks team is still more overall like a better built team than the Hawks, and even without Giannis and and without Trey, the Bucks should still match up to be better than the Hawks without Giannis. The the problem is is that they don't play like that all the time, and so the Hawks have been on fire in this playoffs and it's definitely it could depend on on who wants it more or it could depend on which star comes back it really just depends on which version of these teams show up because you've got a a bucks team that will come out and and you know be gritty on defense and score and you have a bucks team that'll come out and look like they they are a g league team who have not played before so <laughs> hey i think a lot of it you know besides the two stars i think a lot of it falls on chris middleton and you know, yeah. we've been talking about him a whole lot, but he deserves it. I mean, the man has been an all-star. He got that huge contract. He's Giannis's number two. You know, he has to show up. We've seen this team can go, you know, if he plays well, then they'll probably win. If he doesn't, then they'll probably lose because Giannis is going to come out and score 30 pretty much every game. That's essentially a guarantee you know, if he's completely healthy, if he's able to get into the lane and, you know, avoid shooting free throws, of course. but. If Chris Middleton isn't there to, you know, be that number two star, then the Hawks have the advantage there, regardless of what the rest of the Bucks do. Because I don't think anybody else from the team is going to be able to show up, you know, as big as Giannis or Chris Middleton would, you know, if Giannis is injured and Chris doesn't show up the way he should. Yeah, I mean, as far as this game's going right now, the one we mentioned earlier, game five, uh, the Bucks thirty six to twenty two. The Hawks have obviously kind of got rid of some of that lead uh and in their own in their own way they are still down a good bit but chris is he has five points and five rebounds and brick lopez is actually leading with 12 drew's leading with 11 and so there's cases like this where some of the buck role players can come up but on the most times it's on chris middleton to come out and be the the, the star when when Giannis can't be or even when Giannis out there it's, it's usually chris that needs to be able to one be the one putting in the next most points uh drew holiday is there to score brick lopez can score as well but it really comes down to, to Chris and he's seen as the number two. He should play like the number two consistently and it shouldn't be a revolving door of, all right, well, which, which buck role player or like perennial all-star is going to come out and, and try to do this. Yeah. Cause I mean, like they Brooke and drew are leading right now, but you don't really expect the two of them to end up with 30 points each. I mean, they, they might. And if they do, then they're obviously going to win that game. But it's more likely that you're going to have to have Chris be that number one guy. And it's just shooting for him. He just has to be an efficient shooter. And, I mean, that's his main thing. And if you take away his shooting, 
I mean, he can obviously contribute in other ways, but he, he's there to be a scorer. And that's what yeah. you have to make money for. So, you know, <laughs> we'll just have to see how this game turns out. And if the Bucks win, I feel like if Giannis comes back or if Trey doesn't come back, either one of those scenarios in game six, Bucks are going to the finals. Yeah, I agree. I also, um, I think that, that as far as Chris goes, like I, I believe that the Bucks are undefeated in this playoffs whenever Chris shoots like 40%, but then they have a pretty rocky record when he shoots below that. And so it shows right there how dependent this team is on, on Chris coming out and being efficient. And uh, But yeah, I agree. If uh, Trey Young doesn't come back or if Giannis does come back for the next game I, and, and, and the Bucks win tonight, then I think it'll be a, a Phoenix-Milwaukee finals. So, Which, uh, <laughs> will either team making it there, if Trey or Giannis doesn't come back, it adds to the argument that the Suns will be playing all injured teams, which, which will hurt them. But I think either way, They'll still have the Suns will still have to fight hard to beat the uh, Bucks or the Hawks, depending on who gets there. Yep. So, guys, that's all for this episode. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. Check out the podcast on Spotify and the links down below in the description. This has been T Brown 31 with J Bot the Great. Like, comment, subscribe. We'll see y'all later.